The reading today is from Colossians chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Holy wisdom, holy word. Would you please rise for the gospel reading? From Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is God's word. Maybe seated. I'm aware that when the new guy comes in or the new man or woman pastor comes in, there's always the question about, well, what do they really believe? Well, I thought maybe this morning I would try and share some of that, a piece of that in a story that I love. But to set up the story, let me let you know about a couple of things about history. In the time of Jesus, it was common for particularly men to get tired of their wives and their children and boot them out. And that was legal. And Jesus continually responded to that. But what it created was an enormous population of basically homeless women and children. And the children would band together often, and what they would do is follow the crowds that they saw gathering around new teachers, or the crowds that would gather in the marketplaces, and they were opportunistic in their kind of attitudes, and it was the only way that they were fed. But for many, what that created was this kind of semi-obnoxious feeling around that when children were there, they were to be shunned and rejected. I can't imagine. But that was the feeling. And I need that in the back of your heads as I share this story. It was a bright and beautiful morning as the sun was just peeking up over the edges of the hillside. The Sea of Galilee was just almost still, almost like glass. And there on the edge of the sea was a small knoll that almost rose out of the water on a small point. And what was amazing about that knoll was at the top of the knoll was what used to be a grand old cedar. And some of the ground had kind of filtered away with the rains. And it was cut cleanly across the top, old and gray, and looked as though it was gripping the top of the knoll with its roots, gripping it ever so tightly. 
And from the back of that knoll, a sole lone figure came and stood in front of the knoll. And you could see by his demeanor that what he was doing was just taking it all in. You know, those sun-drenched, beautiful mornings that we know of looking over Lake Washington or Lake Sammamish. And here he was standing and just breathing in and out the beauty that was there. And suddenly something drew his attention off to the right. And as he saw a huge crowd of people coming from the city and walking around the edges of the sea, thousands of people coming there. And as Peter looked at them, he finally found the beginning edges creeping around that knoll. And what they would do is bringing their mats and their blankets bringing their food, they would find a comfortable spot on that grassy hillside and spread out their mat and unwrap their breakfast. Thousands came. Thousands. And he noticed there on the back side of the knoll, there was a, a, a group of folks who had gathered who suddenly opened up and there walking through them was the figure of his teacher. There was Jesus who was walking through And what was amazing at that point was Jesus stopped for just a second and he stood directly in front of an older woman. His head kind of cocked as he listened to her story. And then he cupped her face in his hand and he leaned forward and their foreheads touched. And you could see his eyes close. And then He embraced her and then turned and walked, followed by the other 11. And then the others, the hundreds who were his kind of consistent followers came. And he worked his way up, Jesus did, to the top of the knoll. And as he worked his way up there, the people stood out of a sign of respect for this teacher. And then he had them sit down. And it was as though a wave rolling down that knoll as people began to be seated and move into a comfortable position. Around the top of the knoll were the 12 disciples, and just below those were the other followers. And then Jesus began to teach. And as he taught, he paced back and forth, talking about those things that if we understood them more clearly, we would understand what it meant to be blessed of being poor in spirit, of understanding mercy, of relating those things, those teachings of God. But then the most amazing thing happened because in the midst of one sentence, he just stopped and again cocked his head as though he was listening for something. Then he went back to teaching, jumping up on that knoll and lifting his hands, making a specific point about salt and light and what we are to be. And then jumped down again and began to teach again about loving enemies and doing those things. But again, then in mid-sentence, he stopped in the midst there, cocked his head, got a concerned look on his face, turned and looked directly at Peter. Walked over, Peter being uncomfortable, knowing that he was now the center of attention, leapt up onto his feet. But Jesus took his right hand on Peter's right shoulder and just moved him to the side. Walked by him and there, just on the back edge of the hillside, was a particularly muddy spot. And there in the midst of that muddy spot was a child who was weeping. 
Do you know the sound that a child makes when they weep? (laughs) You know that sound. We've experienced that sound. And Jesus moved carefully to go in front of this child and said, my child, why are you crying? (laughs) They wouldn't let me see you. They wouldn't let me come. He wouldn't let me come. And Jesus took his hand and lifted her chin and wiped the tears that had formed these beautiful little streams down the muddy face. Wiped one and then the other. And she looked so much like a raccoon. And Jesus looked in her eyes and said, Who? Who, my child, was it that would not let you come to me? And as any little girl would, at that point, she pointed directly at Peter. Directly at Peter. And Jesus' head quickly turned and stared at Peter, and Peter nervously began to write in the dirt. But then the most amazing thing happened because what he did was he lifted this little girl up and embraced her in his arms and moved her to the top of the knoll and began to dance with her to spin and spin and spin and listened as the glee and the laughter began to pour from this little girl. It was beautiful. And then he did the most amazing thing. He took her and threw her up into the air. And caught her, but as he caught her, the index finger of his right hand found the little tiny armpit. And he tickled her. And like any little girl would when being tickled by the Son of God, she giggled. Is there anything more infectious than the giggle of a little girl? But then he threw her up in the air again. And this time as she came down, the tiny finger on her right hand found his armpit. And she tickled him. And like any son of God would when being tickled by a little girl, he giggled. And there's nothing more infectious than the Jesus giggle. And you could see it rippling down the crowd. Then he pulled her close. And he went back to the stump. And he leaned against it and began to rock her back and forth. Back and forth. And like any little girl would when in the arms of someone she trusts, she scooched down found that most comfortable spot and fell asleep in the comfort of his arms. Back and forth. Back and forth. And as, in as quiet a loud whisper as he could, he said, any any who would understand of what I speak, any who are to understand what I mean by the kingdom of God needs to enter it and understand it like this little girl here 
back and forth, back and forth. Friends, that is the church. That is the church. If we had time, what I would do is ask you right now, which of those figures most relates to you today? Are you that Peter who needs to stand and just take in the world in the quietness of a spot? Are you the crowd coming to witness what it is that you hope will happen, whether it be a miracle or some teaching that you haven't heard before? Are you the disciples that seek to go deeper and deeper and deeper into this? Are you one who prevents others from hearing or seeing what Jesus is seeking to offer? Are you a part of those children who are feeling lost and alone and hungry and thirsty? Or are you that little girl who right now in the midst of a very muddy and mucky spot in your life need desperately to be lifted out? Are you Jesus who is seeking and watching and listening intently for those who are in need and ready to accept everyone. Everyone. Who are you in that story? Because what that describes is the church. But more importantly, what it describes is what the church must be. We must be the ears and eyes of Christ looking beyond ourselves, beyond strawberry shortcake and Skittles and Dove bars, into a world that is filled with people who just so desperately need you and this and more than this. Who are you in that story? And my assumption is that for many of us, we're multiple roles there. We may be all of those things. But our goal is to continue to work toward being more and more and more like Jesus. Lifting and embracing, supporting and loving. Let me close with this. Beginning on the 31st of August, I'm going to be doing an eight-week sermon series on grace. It's based in a book um, that is a, a wonderful book about living the love that we profess. And I chose it because of the sign. I chose it because of the sign. And I know the story behind the sign. But what I don't know is where are you when it comes to the phrase, grace happens? Where is the church when it comes to the term, grace happens? Where might we be in terms of what that sign professes? So eight weeks based on this beautiful book, and I'll have copies of the book for anybody who might want one. But talking about grace and talking about, in similar ways, what you heard today in this story, and what I believe 
and maybe we believe the church needs to be. It is with great fondness and a humble heart, and I mean that. Those of you that know me know. I truly mean that, that I come not to lead necessarily. I will lead if need be, but to serve you as your pastor. It is an incredible privilege to be in that role with you at this time in your history. Will you pray with me? Creating God, you come into our lives as we open our lives to you. As we hear that story, help us come to terms with what it is you seek from us and even what it is you seek for us. Help us be there for those in need. Help us be there for each other. I praise you again for being able to step into the stream that began so many years ago and continues on that is Aldersgate United Methodist Church. I simply ask that you guide us now as your people and set us continually on that path for which you have called every single one of us. All this we ask in the name of the one that we seek to follow, Jesus Christ. Amen.